Hi, I'm Kyle Caldwell. And I'm Becky O'Connor, and this is On The Money, a weekly look at how to get the best out of your savings and investments. In this episode, we're looking at whether the days of investing in so-called sin stocks are numbered in light of the Financial Conduct Authority's plans to introduce fund labels in a bid to clamp down on greenwashing. So Becky, sustainable funds, it's one of your many strong suits. And I'm sure if you ever went on Mastermind, it would be a contender for your specialist uh, subject. So I think the best place to start, Becky, is probably to explain what these proposed labels are. So um, greenwashing exists and it's undermining the whole effort to try and offer people what they want, which is more sustainable investments. So the FCA's um, most recent financial live survey found that 81% of people would actually prefer their money to be invested sustainably. But of course, you know, the word sustainable is is very is a very broad church and we're really asking what's the difference between what sustainable really is and what people's expectations are and what's actually on offer with investments that have that label so the fca has been looking at this for quite a long time it has come up with a set of proposals and it's consulting with the industry and anyone really i mean as an individual you if you want to if you've got strong views on this you can submit your thoughts to the fca uh, there is a deadline for it and um, but the it, it wants to introduce these new labeling and disclosure requirements in full by June 2024. So it's quite a long lead time, but that's because they need to give the industry time to respond and apply the correct labels to the correct funds and generate all these new disclosure documents because not only are funds now going to have a label, which is either going to be um, sustainable focus, sustainable improver or sustainable impact, they are also going to have to offer both simple disclosure details. So what actually is in the fund? And a simple one is called consumer facing. um, And then also a more detailed one. So it's kind of like a big funnel for people. You can sort of go as deep as you want with the level of detail that you as an individual want to know about your investments. And this is all designed really to, to banish greenwash because people are rightly becoming quite cynical because a lot of claims that are made from uh, so-called sustainable um, asset managers or sustainable funds don't really hold up to scrutiny by any reasonable level of expectation. So you probably rightly wouldn't expect to see a fossil fuels company in a sustainable fund. And yet there are funds with the sustainable label that do invest in fossil fuels. And you'd think that's got to be, you know, 101 no, but actually it's more complicated than that. Even the FCA recognises that. So you, you might still find fossil fuels companies in some sustainable funds, even after the FCA regs come in. But the idea is that it will be clear to you based on the label and the disclosures that you will be able to see a lot more clearly that it does contain some fossil fuels. And also if it does, the fund manager wouldn't be able to market it with lots of lovely wind turbines and green things and things that imply something other than what is actually in the fund. So there's a lot going on there. This is a very new area and it's a developing area. So even the FCA recognises that it's going to be developing even once the consultation is concluded and the rules are in place. So as you mentioned, Becky, there's going to be three categories are being proposed, sustainable focus, sustainable improvers and sustainable impact. And obviously these categories, you know, if, if they are introduced and hopefully they will be, they're going to be extremely useful for investors because 
that you know there are hundreds of funds out there that invest in a sustainable manner. And as you mentioned, Becky, there's not there's not one hard fast rule of how to invest sustainably. There's lots of different ways you can invest um, sustainably. So I think firstly, it's going to help DIY investors, you know, identify which funds are investing in a sustainable manner, and then they can look at those three categories and then take a view on which one they prefer over the other, which 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 one of those three categories will potentially align with their own personal values. And it's it just I think it will just help narrow down the choice for investors. There's no dedicated um, investment association fund sectors for sustainable funds. So I think it's to begin with, it's a complete minefield for investors to even find sustainable funds. I mean some may have that in their fund name, but it's not always intuitive. It's still and it's still going to be difficult to choose between them, right? So even once the labels are introduced, um, I mean there are already labels, and that the industry has done a huge amount of work in this area. But one of the problems, of course, is that in the in the absence of regulation, a bunch of different ratings agencies and other uh, providers have come up with ways of rating funds, and they all conflict slightly. Um, And it's not to say that the work involved in creating the criteria and the ratings hasn't been any good. You know, it's probably natural that there's some discrepancies between them because they prioritise different things. But, you know, that's another reason it's so important that the FCA is coming in with a sort of official one that everyone can get behind. It does make you wonder what's going to happen to some of those other ratings and whether they're you know how they're going to align what they're already doing with what the FCA um, is proposing whether or not they're going to need to use these exact words or can stick with um, some of their own words or use them side by side that might be one option but it's still very hard to know as an individual sometimes I mean some people may have very clear idea of their own values and an idea of what's important from you know the environmental perspective and you know whether uh, carbon emissions should be focused on achieving net zero by 2030 or by 2040 or by 2050 but in reality most of us aren't quite sure and we just want our money to be on the right side of history and also making a return. So even with these labels, I still think it's going to be hard for us as individuals to choose between them um, because it's not straightforward. And there's still going to be concern that if you pick one over another, your returns might suffer um, for various reasons. So, you know, you might think, well, okay, so if there is a global transition to renewable energy and I'm in a sustainable improver set of funds that does still invest in fossil fuels then are are my investments going to tank at some point or equally you might think if I focus on sustainable impact which is those that are currently called positive impact usually um, and they're focused on solutions based investments so companies that are actively trying to deal with the world's environmental problems then you know if there's an escalation of the war between Russia and Ukraine and the focus goes back to oil and gas um, and renewable energy development kind of takes a bit of a hit then will that affect my returns it's it's not just about your values it's also about what you want from your money too and this Although all of this is very helpful, there's still going to be a lot of thinking involved as an individual when you're choosing between these funds um, and what you want them for. 
And central to these new um, fund labels for sustainable funds is that the FCA is trying to uh, reduce the risk of greenwashing. It's a term uh, that, that describes when fund management firms push themselves or their funds as green through marketing rather than fully integrating uh, sustainability into their processes. And it's been on the City Watchdog's uh, radar for some time. And I saw that with the um, United Nations COP27 starting this weekend, which is taking place in Egypt, a Swedish climate activist, uh, Greta Thunberg, she said she's skipping the conference, saying that the conference is greenwashing. And the point that she was making is that uh, there's a lot of talk, but not enough action. Becky, what are your thoughts? Do you think having these three sustainable fund categories will reduce and potentially eliminate the risk of greenwashing? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's definitely going to help. Um, and I, I think it could el- eliminate greenwashing if we also see some um, kind of uh, stick action um, from the regulator where it, it recognises that greenwashing takes place. Um, because the temptation for marketing departments is always going to be to uh, emphasise uh, certain aspects of um, some investments in order to get the money in. And uh, I think it's going to be quite hard to find that balance and e- even with the labels because they still need to sell the funds at the end of the day. But hopefully, you know, with this kind of thing in place, standards across the board are raised and what you would ideally want to see from the point of view of, you know, investment starting to um, move towards renewable solutions and planet saving um, technologies is that through the labels and clear labeling, retail investors, that's the industry term for you and me, basically, with ISAs and pensions, start to move their money um, uh, because they're more able to see how they can uh, move it effectively because there's no greenwash anymore, um, in theory. And um, and then we start to see the proper demand coming through um, for these kind of solutions. And then, in theory, that should mean that the um, fund managers go, OK, this is what people want, and there's more money flowing into um, these kind of funds so we need to find more stuff more companies that we can invest in that meet this demand so that's the kind of virtuous circle that um can happen of course it it might make absolutely no difference and we might find that you know people don't um put more money in sustainable funds because the labels are clear and greenwashing is gone um, I, I don't think that's going to happen. It might be, I might be being slightly optimistic, but I think people do genuinely want their money to do good as long as they also believe it's going to make them a profit. I think that's really, really important. I mean, in terms of um, how fund managers communicate to the end investor about how they invest sustainably, I feel like there's a lot of talk, but um, there's potentially like not enough examples. When, when you know, when I interview fund managers. I really do try and hold hold them to account and push them mm-hmm. in terms of, okay, yes, you've got a sustainable process. How do you engage with the firms that you're investing in? What are the issues that you're challenging them on? I want to hear from fund managers, okay, what are the issues that are important to you? You know, are you campaigning for change on equal pay? Are you pushing companies, you know, for when they're going to reach net zero? Can you can you give me some concrete stock examples of how you've been writing to firms or how you've been speaking to firms in order to engage meaningfully with companies? 
I think um, if you're investing in positive impact or under the new FCA label sustainable impact funds, then you know that your money is going into companies that, that the whole reason for being is um, to uh, boost technologies, renewable energy technologies, waste disposal technologies, um, building um, carbon neutral building um, solutions. That It's all focused on solutions. So... In that instance, engagement to promote um, improvements isn't isn't really important. It is really, really important when you're looking at the sustainable improvers category, um, which is kind of more traditional ESG or environmental, social and governance um, style investing, where you can still invest in fossil fuels companies and companies that don't necessarily have a great um, track record on um, carbon emissions or waste disposal. I'm thinking kind of water companies as well at the moment, you know, chucking sewage into the seas and so on. And there, the role of asset managers who are claiming to be part of the improvement of those companies um, and therefore, you know, acting on behalf of us, ultimately, if we're giving them our money because there's this sustainable improver label and we believe that um, the asset manager is making a difference on our behalf with with those companies, then it's absolutely vital that they do it. And this is where there's a there is often a very big gap between what asset managers say they're doing um, in terms of engagement and what they're actually doing. And um, they may have a policy of engaging, which means you know they are pushing for certain levels of change within companies, but if if they set certain targets then you know how tough are they going to be are they going to threaten to divest ultimately from those companies if the companies don't meet the targets divesting is when you pull your money out you say no enough is enough we've engaged we've talked we've talked you're still not doing what you said you were going to do we are now pulling our money out if they if they don't threaten that at any point then what other levers do they have now some asset managers think you don't need to threaten to divest and that you can just keep talking and that does help promote change and there is you know some valid concerns uh, particularly with fossil fuel investments around things like the just transition so if you suddenly pull all the money out of um, fossil fuels and that has a huge knock-on impact socially for parts of the world um, whose economies are very very dependent on fossil fuel revenue so you you sort of condemn those economies to a very quick death if you suddenly pull all the money out of fossil fuels. So that's a very, very valid reason to engage with fossil fuels companies. But what you would want to see as an, as an investor is proof that the asset manager is actually doing what they're saying and talking and helping the companies to find viable solutions to some of these problems, which are, you know, global issues. We're talking about a global energy transition that really needs to happen. Um, so you need actors in all parts. It's not, you know, a positive impact and sustainable impact is absolutely great. But also, you know, there are those who have to get their hands dirty, if you like, with the fossil fuel investments and the fossil fuel companies to make sure that that transition happens in the right way for everybody, including the planet. So if the well the proposed sustainable improvers category, if you see, you know, a mining company or an oil company in the top ten holdings, which, you know, a lot of investors they can only see the top ten holdings. If you see some mm-hmm. of those firms, 
you don't necessarily need to panic. You know, it's it, this is part of their investment process. They're they're trying to drive positive change. Um, they're adopting a best in class approach. Well, maybe not all of them. I mean, I think you know it. They might be, but if they if they are, then they you know they have to say they are. And if they're not, if they're just investing in fossil fuels because they're so the danger is that um, what might happen is. We go okay. Then all asset managers investing in fossil fuels, you know, they're doing it because they're part of the just transition, and they, you know, they want to make sure that fossil fuels companies are on target for carbon emission reductions and so on. Well, they might not be. So it's about working out which um, which asset managers are investing in fossil fuels and trying to create positive change, and which are just there to make money. I guess. I think that's why the you know, concrete examples of how they're engaging with certain companies in those, like for miners and oil companies, for instance, for instance, I think that's really important to communicate that to the end investor. And I think if firms don't communicate that, then there is the risk of is is this fund or asset manager is that potentially um, greenwashing? These these new rules they're not they're not ultimately they're not going to prevent um, sustainable funds from investing in sin stocks because that is one of the sort of strategies that is in place at the moment and that and these funds they will go into well you presume they'll go into that sustainable improver category i was at a conference um, last week and um one of the fund managers speaking he made he's he's not a sustainable fund manager but it, it's part of the process but it's not a sustainable fund he was asked about the exposure he's got to oil companies and he made the point that if you know if no capital at all went into um oil companies then oil fields would deplete and that would hand more power to Russia and Saudi Arabia. He was making the point that they've got to, that these businesses, they've got to keep their traditional businesses going as well as investing in the new energy world. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do agree that that is a risk and that is a good example of why it's so complicated. Um, but I also think we need to be a bit careful about, you know, things that can be used as justifications and excuses for a position versus things that are, you know, valid concerns and i you know yes that is true but it feels like there's probably a solution to that somewhere along the line that we could find if only we were looking hard enough i mean clearly you know the 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 geopolitics of a, a huge war um in ukraine does change the dynamics and you know the the um the issues of our own domestic energy supply are clear and present. And, you know, we can see now that there's a cost of living crisis that um, I know the government says all the time Putin's war in Russia, but it, you know, it really, although there was inflation already and, you know, rising interest rates already, that has had a really significant impact. And that's, that is actually the cost of living crisis in the UK is a social side effect of a, a very large geopolitical problem that we, that we, is now central, both short term and long term, to all of these considerations, and it's it's unavoidable. But it, it does kind of change the emphasis. So we COP twenty six was last year. There was a huge amount of focus on green finance. The, the government published its green finance roadmap. Um, a huge amount was um, being done, and th- there was a lot of focus. And it feels like this year we've lost that focus because of of war and and that is uh, you know you would hope that it doesn't completely derail the long-term progress of the energy transition but in reality it does because it it's, it takes resources and energy and thought away from all of these big long-term glo- global challenges and forces people to think about you know the here and now and the immediate 
awful situation that the war has created. So if we bring all this back to um, fund investors, so as you mentioned, these categories, they'll you know, hopefully they will be helpful. But what, what other sort of um, tips and tricks can we offer listeners that are considering um, sustainable funds? I, there's a couple that I've um, written about previously, so I, I don't mind going first. I think, you know, the the heritage of the team that are running the sustainable money is really important. Um, you know, I, I think you've got a question whether the fund managers been investing um, sustainably since Greta Thunberg was in nappies or mm-hmm. are they in their early years as a sustainable investor? Of course, if it's, you know, if it's, a, if it's a novice fund manager, they may do a good job. But I think um, with, particularly with sustainability, experience really uh, counts and matters particularly at a time when over the past couple of years, there's been lots of um, sustainable funds uh, launched to um, try and take advantage of increased investor demand. Mm. Um, and I also think resource is um, is something that um, you, should, you should consider. You know, consider whether the, the asset management firm, whether they employ a large team of um, sustainable fund managers and analysts. Mm. I think if they do, then that does arguably show a healthy commitment towards sustainable investing. I mean, at the end of the day, if it's, say if it's a large asset manager that has 80 funds and only four or five of them invest in a sustainable manner, that you know, adds up big question marks over that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's also worth bearing in mind that some fund managers, they they outsource to third-party data providers for their sort of sustainability um, data. I think it's probably better to, if they've got their own in-house analysis in operation. I mean, I think that's a really good list, and I would agree with the heritage and the legacy, and you know, the, um, as as evidence of um, commitment to uh, sustainability, um, rather than just a kind of flash in the pan, um, jump on the bandwagon kind of initiative. But also, I suppose it's important to remember that the more resource devoted to these things within an investment um, firm the higher the cost is going to be. And is that something um, you're prepared to bear as the end investor, I guess? Because, you know, the, meeting all these regulatory requirements, which are are essential, does come at a cost. And, you know, the, the doing the engagement work with companies comes at a cost. You have to devote um, analysts and researchers and report writers um, and, you know, almost you're in diplomats, really, to go into the conversations with very large, globally dominating fossil fuels companies to try and get your voice heard. You know, a, a higher cost almost comes with the territory. And I would maybe look at some of the um, p- passive, cheaper funds that have this label and think, you know, how good are they really? Because, you know, you can't possibly deliver all of those promises at... 0.15% I don't think. So I think that's another thing to bear in mind it is you know it, it is already slightly more costly to invest in a very genuinely sustainable way and it's possible that that cost is going to increase too. But obviously you would hope that over the long term if you're investing for the long term and you're investing in the energy transition and the right side of history then that would be worth it ultimately. And of course, as with investing in general, a long-term approach is essential. Now, we've seen this year, sustainable funds, they have had a tough year. It's, you know, due to this uh, market rotation that's played out in response to um, high levels of inflation and increases in interest rates. You know, in terms of investment styles, uh, sustainable funds, they fit more into the growth bucket than the value bucket. 
and growth shares have been out of favour this year due to um, that market rotation that's taking place. So, um, you know, you'd hope if you're investing in a sustainable fund, it's not something you're going to actively trade. It's, you know, it's pretty much a, you think a lot of people would think it's a buy and hold investment for five, 10 years, 20 years, or even longer. You'd hope so, wouldn't you? I mean, I think, you know, we maybe were lulled into a false sense of security in the last few years with sustainable funds doing really, really well. And, you know, people then did kind of jump in mainly because of the performance, honestly, rather than because the funds were sustainable and now may feel disappointed and now may associate that, um, have a negative association of poor performance with sustainable funds. But, you know, you're right. It was because there was a higher proportion of um, equities and growth stocks and technology in some of those funds. And all of those um, have had a rough 2022 so far. But as you say, you know, it, it is investing for the long term. I once did a, um, a talk at a show aimed at day traders and I talked about ESG. And not only was there hardly anybody in my session, but they, they people just weren't really that engaged with it. I think they were almost wondering why they were there because they, they're there at the show to make money quickly. And I feel like, you know, that that's a very, very different audience to the kind of long-term, slow and steady investors that who, who would probably be more interested in sustainable funds. It's a, it's a tough sell to a, a trader crowd of people who are expecting short-term gains. But to be honest, short-term gains anywhere is quite tricky at the moment, sustainable or not. And on that note, thanks for listening to this episode of On The Money. If you enjoyed it, please follow the show in your podcast app and tell a friend about it. And if you get a chance, we'd be very grateful if you could leave us a review or a rating in your podcast app. You can join the conversation, ask questions and tell us what you want to talk about via Twitter at IIOnTheMoney and email at otm at ii.co.uk. In the meantime, you can find more information and practical pointers on how to get the most out of your investments on the Interactive Investor website at ii.co.uk. See you next week.